Hello you and welcome to the My Broadcast Podcast with me, your host, Laura Mann. In this series, I'm joined by a bevy of brilliant babes to talk all things metastatic breast cancer, getting into the nitty gritty of the challenging topics that we need to be speaking about, but often don't. In today's episode, I'm joined by the legendary Laura Bailey to chat all about metastatic breast cancer and children. We really hope you enjoy this episode and we'd love to hear from you. So give us a shout. Let us know what you're thinking using the hashtag my broadcast on Instagram. Laura Bailey, how are you? Hi, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, that sounds convincing. My, yeah, well, my, 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 my stock answer is like same, same um, poo another day yeah yeah that's like my stock answer for everything mm. but yeah no, especially right. in these covid times eh, mate oh i think this the time has, has actually um got to me more than the first lockdown the second lockdown yeah the second lockdown's done me in a bit as well i think it's i think it's because the first one was a bit of a novelty and like it was all new and we had our freedom and then yeah. got nicked away again and i think we're just all a bit over it mate weren't we yeah there's just nothing to look forward to. I know. No That's Christmas the thing. Parties. I hate not being able to plan. No no PR events. So no free booze and canapes anywhere. And that's what we live for, mate, isn't it? That's why we do you this. We're not on Instagram for our greater good. We want the free canapes and booze, Laura. We want the Anna, the Addison Lee sent for you. That's what exactly. I want. Exactly. Not Christmas. Until you get somebody without. that sends a cab for you. And flies you with alcohol and then gives you presents at the end. Brilliant. I know. That is exactly what it's all about. Tis the season. Yeah, tis the season to treat me well. And it is also the season where, well, rounding nicely into today's subject, it's all about the kids and it really Christmas now. I think my little ones and it all becomes about making sure they're having the best possible time ever. And it's really lovely um, to see them light up like a little Christmas tree. Yeah. This is like the most organised Christmas, though. I'm done. I've done it all. Yeah, I think everyone has because they just needed something to focus on, didn't they? So everyone was like, right, Christmas, box ticked. I've, I've, I've written got, all I've my Christmas cards. I've got more money than I've well. ever had because we can't go out. Mm. So I'm like, yeah, have whatever you want, kids. I'll make it rain for you all. So I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. They're having the best Christmas. Well, before we get into talking about your wonderful children, babe, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about you and your metastatic breast cancer experience? And why we've got you on the pod, basically. I mean, that I can't answer, but I can tell you about <laughs> me. Um, so in 2017, I was diagnosed stage three inflammatory breast cancer. Mm. Um, it had already gone to my lymph nodes. Fast forward, chemo, surgery, radio, mm. reconstruction. Um, I was hit with the news that it had spread to my bones. So... Um, yeah, there started my secondary breast cancer journey. Yeah, journey. And, and, and my journey. Yeah, and also my education on what on earth secondary breast cancer is because I didn't know. I didn't really understand. Even when they told me, I sort of come out and I was like, "All oh, right, so it's asleep, and I haven't got cancer anymore." And it, you know, it took a took the community really to be like, "Right, babe." you're only listening to what you want to hear you have still got it yes it is asleep but this is for life now kind of Mm. thing so yeah it was a bit of a a learning learning experience being hit with that with that news and a lot to take in and process as well I guess and like you know 
having to tell your kids that you had a primary diagnosis and then obviously having to tell them that it was back when you're trying to get not that it ever came back it was there but you just didn't know yeah. and like trying to explain that to kids yeah, yeah, we celebrated with them. It was like, mummy's done it. I've beat cancer. You know, mummy won, cancer nil. We've done it. I'm strong. I'm a fighter. And, um, you know, started planning on getting our lives back to normal because this was, this was just a stop. This was mm. just a, a long stop at a station. This was never our destination. Mm. So it wasn't something, even with the primary diagnosis, it wasn't something that I thought I'd even be talking about in a couple of years time let alone thinking about when Effie's older like you said Mm. you you were older when you found out because you you had no memory of and to me that is how it was just a stop it Mm. was just a stop at a station on on my train journey of life (laughs) it was god um yeah but yeah it was never it was never meant to be a destination but it is now so with with the first diagnosis, babe, with your primary, did was that something you talked to the kids about right away, or was it like a lead up? Like, did you wait to get all your ducks in a row? No, is it like what you were dealing with before you informed the children, or was it something that kind of came really quickly and naturally to you to tell them quite right away? Because your every kids are all quite different ages, aren't they? Well, this is it. So every decision that me and my husband had to make we had to make it age age appropriate to three to mm. three different children so um, how old were your kids when you you were your primary 15 5 and just turned 1 so yeah so, so one year old didn't just, even know what was going on no nor did she care um but <laughs> it hit hard um and yeah i feel like for mia where but had the innocence of childhood and sort of like a certain ignorant not an ignorance but you know that that naivety because he could only he only knew what we told him where Mia being 15 she had the internet at her mm. fingertips he could google and search and and do you know do all of that herself so yeah it's um it was never like a sit down and let's have one family chat it has been an ongoing chat it's yeah. a chat that's never gonna we're never going to run out of chat on that one. It's never going to be a conversation that we can ever close or get over. It just has to evolve as we evolve with what we've got. Was that when you first got diagnosed and obviously again with the second, was, was the first thing that you thought of was how do I tell the kids? Was that like? No, I'll be, I'll be truthful. It was my mum. Cause my, cause okay. my sister died when I was, um, when she was eight and Mm. I was six my first thought was my god my mum she's gonna Mm. have to bury another child um but if it wasn't for that for for the bereavement then they would have been of course my my god but no if I'm honest it was it was my mum if it wasn't for the you know the the tragic death of my sister it my kids would have been 100 percent 100 percent and it's just, it's such a scary, scary subject because you want to get it right. But at the same time, there's no right or wrong either. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to ask, like, did you, when you knew you had to tell the kids, um, obviously you knew you were going to have to tell them instant, but did you look into any resources to support you with that? Or did you ask anyone who had had to do the same thing, someone who'd been diagnosed with a cancer and had to tell their kids? Or is it something that felt really kind of just like a maternal instinct you knew what to do by yours at primary was I think um 
I mean, I, I got this book from, I think the, um, from Macmillan, like a, a story book. And I sort right. of didn't, my treatment plan was very different to what this book, because mm. everything was boom, boom, boom with me, where it yeah. was so advanced. I didn't get a chance to even think. So I was a bit like, we went through the book and it was called Mummy's Lump, but it wasn't really, um, I didn't really like relate to it. Not relate to it. It just didn't gel with me. So I think primary was definitely maternal. And then on the back of that, sharing my story and speaking to people in the community, I feel I got a better sense of how to now um, verbalise it to my children. So more of a joint effort. First time, I think, was just on me and my mothering. And second time was more of a joint community effort because I then knew people. Yeah. Yeah, because you either, because when I was primarily diagnosed, you either survive it, which I don't even like mm. saying because nobody gets over it, um, whether the cancer's in your body or not. It's not, it's mm. not something that you ever, ever can get over or, or you die. There was that, 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 that in between, it was just not on my radar at all yeah. that that would ever be me. So it was just, yeah. Having, I can, I can only imagine as well, so I'm, I'm someone who doesn't have bubbers yet. Um, but I, fingers crossed, one day maybe. Um, little ginger ones. Little ginger babies like my niece and nephew, which would be the dream. Um, yep. But I can't imagine, like, you have so much to get your head around yourself. Like, you know, I we spoke earlier in a different episode with Nikki Newman and we talked about, you know, one of a piece of advice she gave uh, in regarding um, advice you'd give to friends is to look up the seven stages of grief because it is a yeah, bereavement. One of the first, yeah. One of the first pod, uh, pods, one of the first blog posts I ever, ever wrote was um, on bereavement because I'd gone mm. through bereavement counselling when I was little. I, I know the second, the second, I know the, the steps of bereavement mm. and I, and I recognise them, the anger, the bargaining. And I wrote really early on um, about that. So it was a mm. really, really handy thing to, so you know when you're bargaining and you know when you're, I mean, I, that's the thing though. I, I got to the acceptance and then got put back on my bum. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But no, definitely. I agree with Nick on that one. It is definitely the, to recognize your own behaviors as well. Mm. And actually what you're feeling is valid. Grief isn't just the loss of somebody. Grief is the loss of of anything. And that's the mm. life that you once thought you would, you know, you would have. Yeah. I like, I just, I just think about that process that you must've been going through, then having to like articulate what's going on to your kids. And do you think your kids went through their own kind of bereavement process in knowing that? Or do you? Th- yeah. Oh, I think my Bert still is on the daily. He's the one I worry about the most because he's, he's such a deep thinker. And I think it's just so, it's so aware in his little head that I'm still so poorly. Mm. It's not something that he can never so, like seem to shake. Like if I have to Do tell think- him off. Yeah. And he like, and he'll like come back at me and then I'll say like, and I'll be like, right, that's it. Leave me alone. And he'll come in and like, mum, I'm so sorry. I don't know. There's just always this little bit of sadness about him that I just feel that he's always thinking, I don't want that to be the last thing. I remember of my mum being angry oh, with yeah. me. Or... He's hyper aware, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Hyper aware. And, and you hyper know, aware. 
we've we spoken about. Which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing because I've always been so honest with him. Mm. So if I made him hyper aware, is that a bad thing? Should we, you know, sugarcoat it a bit better? Like this is that's where you can get in your own head and start really, really beating yourself up. But then you just have to do your best that day. Yeah, and know your kids, I'm guessing. Like, yeah. you know, you there's the shoulda, woulda, coulda, I guess. And actually, you know your kiddies better than anyone else and you are who you are and they know who you are. So if you did yeah. it differently, it wouldn't be authentically who you are. Exactly. And you probably wouldn't cope with it as you wouldn't be able to cope your best self if mm. you weren't giving the version of yourself that is true, I guess. Does that make yeah, yeah, sense? Yeah, 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 spot on, spot on. So I yeah. So in a roundabout way, you just have to stay true to yourself and there isn't a one, you know, a one Mm. size fits all. You have to know your kids and you have to know yourself. And that's a really hard thing to really, really know yourself. Not a lot of people do. A lot of people, you know, don't like themselves even. No, I really Mm. like myself. I know that I'd want me as a mate. I like you having you as a mate, Laura, to be honest, you know. Thanks. But it's taken me years to get to that in my head. And that was like pre-cancer. So, again, I think that's another tool that has seen me quite solid through this whole deal. Mm. Is that I actually quite like, I didn't when I was younger. Mm. But, before, you know, I got to a point in my life where I was like, do you know what? I'm a worthwhile person. Yeah. And then I get, and I get cancer. But, yeah, so I think it's just really important to like yourself and know yourself and that's what you can portray onto your kids because there is no way that you can stop a child hurting there is no no way that any of us can do this and stop our loved one our loved ones from feeling anything but the devastation that's gonna come yeah and that that cancer innately does to the people around you let's go back a little bit law to um when like when you had to tell the kids what how did you tell them like how did you did you obviously with their such different ages did you tailor it specifically like you said to age range and how did you tell them and how did they react because they're all so different aren't they yeah Mia was um it was a yeah I've got because she knew that that's the other thing she knew that I was going to get checked Mm -hmm. because my I had um I didn't just you know have just a little lump and it was it was it was a whole ordeal so she so she knew that there was something wrong so with me it was more of a fact of yeah mummy has got cancer mm. as opposed to it being like a bolt out the blue but we just um but that was sort of like immediately like when I got back mm. from the hospital with with the diagnosis we told me it was just a yeah it is cancer um but probably like the next day we didn't like sit him down or, you know, have like this big family meeting. I think we were just having a cuddle. And I said, I was like, darling, I said, um, mummy's a bit poorly. I've got this, mm-hmm. this lump, like the book said, and I told him what it mm-hmm. was. It was called breast cancer. Um, and I'm going to have some really, really strong medicine. I'm probably going to lose my hair. He freaked when I lost my hair. He can't even look at pictures of me without any hair. That was um, really, yeah can't even look at me with pictures um without my uh, pictures of me when I didn't have my hair um because you did you did you shave your head yeah I'm so impatient I'm so impatient I just wanted it off because I knew it was happening I just I wanted it off but I waited um 
I was down the caravan always. Always down the caravan, mate. Always down the caravan for everything. And I was waiting for Kev to come down on the Saturday morning because he was going to do it and and stuff. But um, it should have been done before that because that night was terrible. Did yours Mm. hurt? I know you didn't lose all of yours, but you know when it started falling out, did yours really hurt? Yeah. Yeah. And And that's the thing as well because it's, it's just, it's that reminder that what's going on because you can't see your bonds when you're sat there. But then all of a sudden it aches and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, really, really. Like you've had a ponytail too tight and you've taken it out. Yeah. So I didn't sleep that night. And then, I mean, I'm, I felt quite liberated, if I'm honest. But but mm. literally it was like, oh, it was like a heart-wrenching scene out of a film. He come out, because all the kids were there when I, it was in the mm. middle of the day. wasn't done in secret. All the kids were there. Um Kev lost his bottle and, and didn't didn't really want to do it. So my other friend Lauren started it and my mm. uncle Carly finished it. And um trying to explain to a five-year-old that I'm not doing this out of choice, like it's gone this is gonna happen. That was that was quite difficult in hindsight. But yeah, we, we got over it the next day, I suppose. But he yeah, he finds it quite difficult. That was like the worst bit for him was that physicality of of mummy because I had loads mm. of I've got really thick hair but it was really long and it was and, and like, was right she was she was on holiday with her dad actually she was in Turkey she was um all right my brother shaved his hair off in Ibiza and my mum did it at home. <laughs> She worked down the van, which I was like, please don't shave your hair, mum, because every time I look at you, I'm going to feel bad. But she did it anyway. Bless her. What a woman. But, babe, this, like, it is that thing, as you said, like, it's a way of taking control, but it's not just you that you're having to think of. You're having to think of their kids' reactions to it. And, like, was that, you know, in those moments... Like, did you explain to her why you were doing what you you were doing? Yeah, so... I said that I've got, I have this medicine called chemo mm. um, and it was, and it was going to make me lose my hair. And he said, but why? So I tried to explain to him about cells yeah, and how the chemo kills fast growing cells and hair grows fast. Yeah. So I, I sort of give, like gave him the scientific bit, whether he digested that at the time, but in my thinking was in years to come, when we have this conversation, he's like, well, what did you tell me? Hopefully there'll be some sort of like muscle memory that, oh yeah, he knew from the beginning the rapid yeah. cell growth and what chemo does. And for me, that is just in, more important than being like, well, the baddie comes and the goodie comes yeah. because I'm thinking, I think being a traumatized child myself, like with a, with a bereavement, mm. I've kind of got like this insight that, don't talk to you kids retain more information than you than they give realize them credit yeah, yeah give them credit like they take a lot in don't they yeah and they process a lot as well and it's like if you're I guess if you're telling a story rather than telling the truth they make their own story up and it can become yeah. very confusing I, I'm, I'm guessing yeah um for them so probably like for you you know, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way, but I think that's probably a really good approach to it, Law, is that you're like, you don't, you can't assume to know how they're going to make the story in their head. So you have to be clear with yeah. them. So, and is that, is that, 
by doing that, has there been many questions or do they kind of get it? And do they feel comfortable coming to you with those questions? Do they ask a lot about stuff? They definitely feel comfortable. Um, I think Mia would probably go to Kev before she broached it with me. Okay. Um, which I think is wonderful as a step-parent relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, we're really open. We're just a really open open family. So, yeah, I'd like to think they would just come to me. Yeah. And what kind of questions are they asking? Because obviously at the beginning, it was a primary. Now, living with a chronic illness long term, there's going to be more questions. There's going to be stuff like that. Like, I mean, sometimes I have to remind them. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. I sometimes have to remind them, like, come on now. Mummy's not well. Yeah. Give it a like, give it, it a rest. Yeah. I mean, I never, I never, I never, I'm never like, oh, mum's got cancer, leave me alone. But I do have to explain things. Like, obviously, I use a, mo- a mobility scooter. I, pure example, like, the perfect example, um, went to in market the other day to get some, um, get some food and then drove to Wimbledon Common to eat it with Bert, just me, Kevin, Bert. Mm. Um, and he was like, have I ever been here before? I was like, how do you not remember Wimbledon Common? I practically grew up on that common. But, um, and it was one of those, and I was like, I used to bring you here all the time. He went, well, can we come? Why, why can't we come? And I was like, because my mobility scooter wouldn't get round it. So mm. it was like, do you know what I mean? It was like one of those things, yeah. something that I used to do all the time. Sunday mornings we go Richmond Park we go Wimbledon Common Mm. we go exploring I can't do that anymore Mm. so his realization of oh I forgot about that I forgot what I used to do with my mum because obviously it's what you can't do in life just is front front of stage isn't it yeah Especially, especially when your kids are look you know looking to do stuff it's sort of like all the things that we can't do as opposed to all the things that we used to do does that make sense yeah, no, no, it does. No, 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 that makes perfect sense. And again, it, yeah. it's those questions. It's those things where people think the questions are always going to be around treatment plans or, you know, like what exactly is going on with mummy. Whereas actually the day to day, isn't it? And the living with the disease, um, yeah. the nuances of that, it is. It's like things that, because there is so much change and transition for them, isn't it? Are there any yeah. other questions I ask you and you really have to think about how you manage it? Do you know well, what I mean? Are there any that throw you? Well, Effie trying to pull off one of her nipples was um, a high, <sighs> a high and low light. I was like, what are you doing? She went, well, why have I got two? You've only got one. I just want one. So I was oh, like, bless her. oh, she's only four. And then I was just like, oh, but mummy had to, and I, I explained, this is what I mean. I explained a Dieppe flap procedure to a four-year-old acting out what they did to a four-year-old in hope that when it's not a big shock one day I don't want her to be an adult and look back and go oh my god that's what my mum had to go through and feel bad that they never knew I let so Mm. I'm explaining it yet which is a really really complicated surgery um to a four-year-old to explain that the so on my where my nipple was mm. there's a bit of skin and there's like little silver stretch marks on there that I got when I was mm. pregnant with Mia so there's like a lovely little story yeah oh. from, 
from the part of my stomach they took to make my my um my new boob so yeah the little stretch marks on there were stretch marks that I got when I carried Mia 18 years ago yeah so it even though it's a really horrendous procedure there's still a nice little family tie to it <laughs> no but that's amazing and that is something to go oh well that's what that's what that's from and did did she get it like did did she yeah, get it well, like, she, you explained it to her yeah she was yeah she seemed satisfied with that with that um she was like all right okay so you're really like just open up front honesty's best policy Given, give it like, like you said, like you don't want any question marks hanging over them in the future, or you don't want them making up their own stories. For you, it's a case of you got a question, I'm going to answer it bare bones. This is this is what it is, love. Yeah, because then, like you said, bare bones. Take it down to the bare bones, and then you've got room to to rebuild. Mm. But if you're only just taking off plasters, and you know, it's never gonna. Mm. You can't rebuild if you've not stripped it back. And as a in, unit, in my... like, do you? think that Bert goes to Mia with questions and that Effie might go to Bert do you think among because you might not be privy to that stuff yeah. but do you what do you think like do you think I think there's that amongst themselves there's conversation Mia's had to, like Mia's had to like step in and take charge of a situation and just explain that um especially if I've just like had a hospital visit or something and mm. I'm feeling a bit under the weather then there's definitely times where she will step in and be the adult and even though she's a legal adult but like be the adult in the situation and Mm. just remind them that this is how it is yeah but um but because they become support systems for each other do you know what I mean yeah 100% 100% and because no word is off limit there's there's no oh I can't say this or you know can't say it's there's nothing off limit so again they get to be so open and free with it because it's not one of those oh I don't want to upset I don't want to mention cancer I don't want to upset mummy because of the cancer or do you know what I mean it, there's yeah. no words off limit so there's no you can say cancer 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 and it's not going to spark a, a you know a, a, a snowball effect in my kids either if you mention breast cancer around them they're mm. not going to be like is that is that what my mum's got what do you know they're not going to be caught off guard yeah have any of them ever come to you as anyone like at their school and things like that because like have they ever yeah, asked any questions again, that they've had to yeah. navigate one of Bertie's friends it must have come from the mother um yeah but one of Bertie's friends was um he said um we was just chatting in general that's how I get that's how I pump my children for information I have a conversation mm. with them and don't ask them directly because I think if you mm. ask a child directly straight away they're like is this mm. you know they're, they're looking for the why you're asking that so I've put mm. but one of the kids at school had said oh has your mum still got cancer hmm yeah so yeah and he came, what did he and did he come to you and ask and say oh so and so said or yeah he was just he was just he was playing Fortnite and he was like oh so and so said oh has your mum still got cancer and I said what did you say and he was like well yeah I think <laughs> to which led to it's... mum have you still got cancer yes Baba yeah <laughs> so that's the other hard thing is that. Like you'd, it'd be amazing if you could just sit around a table and have one conversation mm. and let that be it. But the older he gets, the more he's gonna 
explore. Like he's like like I said back to Mia being fifteen, she had the internet, but he hasn't got the mm. internet yet. Yeah, he only knows what I tell. I mean, he's obviously on the internet, but not like that. Mm. Um, he's only got what what we tell him. Mm. That you can kind of manage it a bit better. You know, one day he's gonna he's gonna find it all out. So I guess that's why as well for you, having those open conversations with the kids and being quite straight down the line with your answers, again, he's not going to go out searching for things. He can just look into them more. So like research the construct reconstructive surgery you had or understand yep. a bit better like why you're in the mobility scooter. But he's yep. never going to get caught off guard by anything that you would find. Because that's the scary thing, isn't it? It's like, I think... You know, having for me, if I would have kids or like even if I just think about my niece and nephew coming to me with questions, it would be them finding something and going, is this true? Where I haven't told them or they don't know and being like, oh, my God, I don't I don't want you to hear that from someone else other than me. Is there an element of that? So like you you open them so that they get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah. And also we're working, you know, we're working towards no stigma around um cancer and 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 it's treatments and stuff and that's what you know every day is like a battle against breaking down stigmas and raising awareness so then why Mm. would you put your kids on a back foot with it Mm. yeah because we don't want any shame or stigma so why would you not be completely honest with with children Mm. i think it's a protection thing as well isn't it because i was talking before when we've talked about like managing relationships with friends and family and how often they're quite you know we know in the cancer community didn't we law like we're mates through it all and like mm-hmm. the conversations you can have with each other that are that flow so easily that you don't want to have with friends and family it's not because one they don't understand they won't understand it on that level but also they always try and fix they always try and fix things for you and actually sometimes you just want to be really down or you just want to be scared or you just want to have a yeah. really upfront conversation and and I'm like with with the kids as well. Like it's that thing maybe as a parent where you want to automatically protect them. So that's where the sugar coating comes in. The stories come in because it's an instant reaction with someone that you love, doesn't it? It's to not hurt them. Yeah, and, and the as, and as a parent, when it comes to it's yeah. it's your job. It's your job to to protect your children at all costs. But again, mm. because of losing my sister as a child, I, I think I've got a, a quite a little just an edge on it to know that sugarcoating things isn't protecting yeah in the long run in the long run but everyone's got a you know if anyone listens to this and they're like oh but I'm not comfortable doing that then that's you know that's absolutely fine however which way you want to tell your children is completely okay and Mm. you're supported you don't have to yeah. explain a Dieppe flap to a four-year-old. Yeah, that just works. That just works for me. Yeah. Um, but whatever, whichever way that works for you on a day-to-day, that's 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 how you've got to do it with your kids. Mm. I, and that's you know, what I you owe back them. To my mom, like my mom had cervical cancer when she was twenty-six. I was five, mm. and I still remember my mom had really long hair, and she cut it short like mine. Um, and I just remember thinking she looked really cool because she did. She had a great bone structure for it, Tina did. And I just remember she used to go to the hospital a lot for her tummy. Like, whenever I ask any questions, but I was very aware that mummy was getting, something was going on with mum. 
Mm. And she never lost their hair or anything like that. Like she ended up having radiotherapy and it was a very different thing. But I was very aware at five. And I probably always knew on some level something wasn't right that was quite bad. And I can't remember a single moment. I don't, it's not like I saw my parents crying or anything like that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was just more a feeling and, and being emotionally intelligent as a child. Because kids are, they pick up on moods, don't they? You can't, like, you may not be actually saying, Dad's done my head in today. I'm going to boot him down the stairs. But they sense it, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. And I think the intelligence of children is something that is so overlooked in, mm. in in most things is the emotional intelligence of children and they're just not and given then, enough credit and the, and the subsequent emotional manipulation of the adults in their life because once they figure out emotion they're like know how to play on them and I'm like don't you start my nephew's getting very good at that now he'll ask for certain things in a certain tone and I'm like yeah where have you got that from mush um but yeah, kids, yeah, like children are not made of China. They are not these, you know, delicate little flowers. Mm. They're very, very intelligent and they are, they're, we're born to evolve and adapt and to manage stuff. And if you take it away from them or, or by, by shielding them from something, you're saying that this isn't something that you should process. Mm. So you're emotionally stunting them. Yeah. And then you end up with crazy adults. Yeah. Like me. <laughs> like us. <laughs> yeah, because things were sugar-coated. Mm. There you go. That's probably why I'm hyper-aware. It's like a therapy session. Oh, my God. Um, we are getting deep. We are getting deep. Go yeah, a bit deeper, actually. I've got another question. Um, no. Don't worry. It's not terrible. Um, but it was. I'm just thinking about the relationship with your kids and you know, has, has the relationship with your kids changed as a result of your diagnosis? I mean, I can't imagine that it wouldn't. I mean, I don't love them any more or less. What I am very aware of, and I try and try and try to live in the moment instead of trying to make it a moment. Does that make right. sense? I'm yeah, so aware that my, you know, all the best statistics going I, you know, I'm probably not going to see all my grandchildren. I'm probably not going to see my children married. I'll be lucky if I see Effie finish high school. Like, let's put it on the table. That's um, that's how I think. And yes, there's always that one person that lives 25 years and stuff. But, you know, I've always been a realist. So I have to, I find myself trying to make a moment as opposed to living in the moment. Right. So I'll oh, yeah. like put extra pressure on myself because I'm just like, I just want them to remember this. I want this to be a, a tradition. I want, so I, I mean, I do like, I leave little Easter eggs um, anyway. You know, like Easter eggs in films, not yeah. actual Easter eggs. So I've, I've been doing that. Just like little, little things that I know that whether I'm here or not, they're going to be like, oh yeah, mum. Yeah. Like if they a certain smell or a certain, you know, pancakes for breakfast and just I'm just I'm more aware of just trying to leave little bits of myself. Yeah. Because I can't bear the thought of them ever being like, Oh, I can't remember what mum's favourite flower was, roses. Yeah. You know, just that that 
that's that's the gut wrenching part for me is that knowing that I you've got to start leaving bits of yourself and not in a PS I love you kind of way that whole romanticized mm. that I you know I, I wouldn't I think it's quite not cruel but that's not the way that I would do it mm. um but no I definitely but when I do leave them I want them to be emotionally I don't want them to be like oh my god I need my mum I need my mum in this situation no 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 I did a good job with you and we've got you know whatever ages they are I hope when I go that they never like I need obviously they're going to miss me but I don't want them to like need me yeah makes sense so I'm just trying to like leave I'm gonna be a bit like Nanny McPhee it's almost like you're training them which is a really sad reality mate to be honest and having this conversation it's like how often do you allow yourself to live in that reality um is it something that it's because I can guess there's a lot of people who literally it plagues them and it's constantly that shadow and cloud that hangs over them. And then maybe other people are like, I come in and out of it. Like, how is your, how are you coping? How do you cope with that? And oh, how is it something you allow yourself to visit? It's very lonely. It's a very mm. lonely, lonely place to be because it's not something you can share with anybody. It's not mm. something that Kev can take half the burden of, like he does everything else. It's not mm. something that Mia can help with. It's a, mm. it's an internal thing. It's a mother thing. It's a per- not even a mother thing. It's a human thing. I'm not just a mum. I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. I'm, you know, I want to, I don't know. Yeah, like I want to, I want to make a mark. Mm. I want to, I want to be remembered, but not in like, I don't know. Like I want to be, I want to be remembered in little things, like little things that matter for me. I want to be that my kids when, you know, and their kids, their grandchildren, they'll make a Christmas ornament every year. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I don't want a statue. I want, I just want. I want you to have a statue. I <laughs> um, yeah, I, I want fragments. I just want to leave fragments of me. Mm. Because I feel like I'm going to be robbed from, the, like the world will be robbed if I go too <laughs> soon. So I just need it to have fragments of me because I was here, for, I was meant to be here. Because you don't yeah. get given all of the sh- sh- shiznay. I yeah, mean, somebody one. give me an alternative. Is that an alternative? I, I mean, I'm down for that. Okay. Um, yeah, because you can't get given all the shiznay that I've been through and not for it to be for a purpose and not for a greater purpose. Mm. Like I said, I don't want a statue. I don't want to be seen from space. I just want fragments of my love and my heart to be to be left and, and passed down. I, but that also exists within your kids, no? That's exactly it. And like, I mean, I just find it so, it's not, I'm not going to say inspirational because it's not inspirational. I just find it so, what's the word? It's really, it's so refreshing to be able to have these conversations because we've had a lot on this podcast and I know like everyone thinks, you know, I think you're probably the only person who is as real as, as you are about, you know, your diagnosis, your prognosis. Um, but also in a way that isn't 
terror and fear it's kind of just like pragmatic and go well this is this is what I'm doing this is this is how I'm dealing with it and this is my reality and and it's not a you know despite everything law you're not sitting there going I'm a victim of my circumstance no god no I'm a really positive person yeah and my cup is always half full always half full I'm you know I but it is what it is Mm. it just it is what it is do, how do you think, so obviously it's a really weird one with kids because they probably don't know much about cancer because why would they? Like, they wouldn't. But do you think their perception of the disease um, has changed? Um, and do you think, you know, most people walk around with this, like, sort of Damocles hanging over them and they think of cancer and they're like, oh my gosh. Do you think for them in their lifetime now, it's kind of warped the perception in a good way of of what the disease is, what it looks like, and, and made them a little less afraid of it, maybe? Yeah. Or do you think it's going to yeah. be something that's like, they hate it, like they're always going to be a bit afraid of it? How do you think the kids are with cancer? I mean, I think I think they're always going to be afraid of it, but I think the the community, like especially like the social media community, mm. um, Mia knows that it's, you know, it's not just her mum. Mm it's you know there's there's you know it's it's a lot of people um so that that's 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 comforting Bertie got to come to one of your photo shoots yeah so so you know being surrounded by all these people living with cancer people that you know living beyond cancer um yeah so yeah I just I mean I'd hope that they'd always be a little bit afraid of it yeah but very open to because I always thought this is this is what this is what I was told as a kid. It ain't the first cancer that kills you; it's the second. So that's what that was. That's all I knew. So you could really, you get, yeah, yeah. My mum used to say it all the time: if you get the cancer the once, you'll you'll be all right. But if it comes back, you're a goner. Because that's what it was like. Yeah. Before. Um. Certain. Uh, Things like certain options, yeah, yeah. Before certain options came in, and that's that's pretty much what it was like for my mum's generation, yeah. Um, but with yeah, with my kids, thanks to social media, I'm such a fan of social media. Mm. I know it gets you're great on there. I love your words, Laura. You've got such a way with them. Oh, thank you. It's just been it's just been such a such a positive outlet for me. Mm. Such a positive outlet, and. Um, I've I've learned so much about myself and I've got through situations that I don't think I would have got through if it wasn't for talking on social media. And I haven't necessarily got a cause. I don't get up in the morning I'm like, right, I want to change this. And da, da, da. no, it's just, and having that outlet allows me to be even more open and free with my kids as well. Yeah. And the, and the whole reason I started doing my stories was um, because I wanted them, because they save you know, you've got every story. Yeah. You know, your arc. And I just thought, I want them to look back and um, see what we were doing. And they could always see how I was feeling. And that, and the thing with my Instagram, why I, another reason, I'm like this in life anyway, but I kept it so real because I want to, I want them to see the bad with the good. Because mm. whether you've got cancer or not, life is dark and sh- everything is dark and shade. Everything so if I'm not here to to teach them that, then they've got that, that it's absolutely okay to be done, to mm. literally be so done with a situation and the next day be like, right, let's go for a let's wine. Go. 
That is yeah. normal. It's normal. And it is okay. It is okay yeah. to see your own feelings and it is okay to, it's okay to be depressed. Yeah. It's okay to take antidepressants. It is oh, like, it is okay. And do you know what? It's okay to be okay. It's okay yeah. to be happy. It's okay to be sad. Everything, as long as you're not hurting another human being, it's okay. Yeah. I was going to say that. I was like, as long as you're not hurting yourself really badly or hurting anyone else, yeah, everyone's way of dealing with things is always... And, and your kids included, Law. Like, you know, they're going to have their own ways. And I guess they're all going to be completely different of how they deal with the, like, the upset of, of their mummy being, being long-term sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no right or wrong way. And I think it's really lovely and refreshing that they know that whatever way they experience this is okay. Yeah. Have Every- you thought about... Sorry, love. I was just saying, have you thought about, have you looked into like child supporting them like mental health wise? Is there any child like therapy services or anything that, that you have know of or would want to look into for them? Has there ever been anything? No, there? I mean, I looked it up once and there was like a centre over in North London, which was just, mm. I find, I find that there's lots of um, like resources, but then when you mm. look into it, there's, there's like you know bereavement charities but when you look into mm. it it's like well what what are you offering I don't I don't mm. get it are you is it are you just raising awareness because that's the other I mean the whole charity thing is that that blew my mind yeah. when I learned about different kinds of like fundraising research awareness so it's I get a bit I, I feel like I'm maybe a little bit jaded nothing's as mm. transparent as I want it to be yeah Whereas you're quite straight down the line, clear human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanna, when things I wanna... aren't, you're like, oh, frustrating. Yeah, like, are you raising awareness for, for you know, sad children whose mummy's got cancer? Or, or, or are you actually, how do I get my child in to see a therapist mm. without having to jump through hoops? And, you know, I, I personally need it, like, given yeah. to that's And it would be valuable, wouldn't it, to be able to have somewhere that, yeah, you know that you've they've got the questions. They you're clearly the type of mum law that you've made it very apparent to your kids that they can come to you with anything and nothing is off the table. Yeah, but you know, then there's a lot of children out there probably who that isn't the circumstance they're in, or maybe they're just not that way inclined. No matter what mummy says, they're still not going to feel comfortable asking certain yeah. things. And it's like, you know, it's kind of highlighted to me that there isn't really that kind of support system for kids out there. there. And as you said before, I remember your stories going up. I remember your social media when you were looking for it for Bert, wasn't it? Yeah. And you were like, everything I find is after I have gone. Everything yeah. I find is after I have gone. What about the kids who are living? And there's so many people living long lives with metastatic breast cancer that this is yeah. an issue that's never going to go away. Society and hasn't never gonna caught go up away. with us. That's how mm. I feel. Society hasn't caught up with us yet. We're still written off and not in a bad way, mm. but it's like people just don't realise that. Mm. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Society just hasn't caught up with us. Babe. And also I sit there and I think like all my mates and that, that I know that are living with secondary diagnoses, Deb included. Um, I look at and I, th- I think you guys all look better than I did when I was in, <laughs> in my primary. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't, it's not like what people imagine. It's not, yeah. you know, you wouldn't know. I Like it could be the person who's serving you at the checkout at the shop. It could be the person sat next to you on the bus. It could be your work colleague. It could be your nurse. It could know. be your nurse yeah. at hospital. Yeah. You just don't know who is going through what. And, you know, like you said, it is that perception of what, of what cancer and especially a long-term illness would look like. 
that you're right society hasn't caught up and and but there is going to be this generation of kids now who have been closer to cancer than you probably want them to be at a certain age but they're gonna have a much better understanding and probably have a lot more kindness and empathy towards it as a result of that yeah which is something you never want them to have to learn through cancer I'm sure (laughs) no I mean I think I think there should be more emotional support for children as it is Mm. full stop and always have done um but even more apparent now that our kids are just not getting the the outlets they do this thing at my son's school called Elsa, nothing to do with Frozen. Um, <laughs> and it's like emotional thingy. And he's done it several times. He does colouring in with an unqualified person. And by unqualified, they're qualified to be in the school, but they're not qualified. Mm. Then like psychiatrist or like psychologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing like that. And um, what they do goes nowhere. Mm. It's just, but it's just, it's just a tick. It's just a tick. Well, we've done that with this child. And he's like, well, mm. where's, I don't understand how there is no emotional support for my kids. Yeah. I don't, I don't it understand. Is. It is. And it really, it, it really mad. gets my goat that it then falls on the people that are suffering the most to then set up a charity. And, and it's just mm. like, no, come on, government. It doesn't just have to be secondary breast cancer. It can be, you know, chronic anything. There just needs yeah. to be for kids yeah definitely because you know like you know if we can help them and support them through this difficult time as a child you know that as a human it's not gonna come back and bite so hard you know because we all who of us who haven't been through a trauma you know I still think back to my first ever experience of like death was really severe and it was two people in the space of six months at 16 years old I think back now and I think since 16 years old I've been hyper aware of my immortality that's not nice do you know what I mean and you're probably the same from being a kid and having lost your sister yeah. and, and you know these I've been these kids, I've been attending funerals the... regularly since 1988 there is not <laughs> a year that goes by that I'm not Isheen or um, Putney Vale I'm telling you that's where my nan is Isheen yes my grandparents so give him a wave next time you're there Law. yeah um, but uh, yeah do you find as well do you find any support from the other cancer um, mums like are there people in the community who have children is it something that you talk to them often about about what their kids are going through and support each other in that respect about how they're dealing with things oh yeah definitely definitely um yeah I mean not like an active whatsapp group just about kids but yeah yeah, no we're a lot of us that are in the same boat that there is that that support that that network that do you know what you can you don't even have to say anything but I know I know Mm. I know what so if I say, if I, you know, put a post up about Bert or something, the feedback that I'll get from that. Mm. Sometimes people don't want to put their stuff out there. That's the other thing. Not everybody's like yeah. me. So yeah. it'll take somebody to to put like, put something up and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, right. That's. Yeah. But that's, I suppose that's the, the curse and the blessing of being brutally honest in life. Yes. Oh, well, you know, I'm team brutally honest. Oh, I like sometimes I'm like, I wish I had a filter that I could flick on, but I don't think I do. Um, I have found this real, this conversation really, you know, as we know in cancer world, we can, there's people that paint on smiles and bells and whistles onto everything. And this, I think, has been a really refreshing conversation about the realities of 
you know how it affects kids and 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 that there is that support that is needed and I'm sure loads of parents who are going to be listening to this Laura will feel like thank god someone said it someone is oh, on my hopefully. page hopefully. yeah I feel like it will because you know we all especially like on Instagram and stuff anyway cancer or not there's a version of life that is painted and it's picture perfect and look at me and my happy home and this big new build house I've got with my wonderful children all happy and healthy and and it's it it's not real for so many people and I think this conversation is 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 such an important one to be had because I can only imagine you know the minefield that it is I mean I, I was diagnosed didn't have kids but I just remember sitting in that hospital room in that Macmillan room and sitting there with all the leaflets on the wall and looking at them, it's like, how do you tell your husband or like your family? And how do you keep a relationship going? And, all of a sudden, and how do you tell your kids? And I was like, I'm single, I have no kids and I have no husband. So, you know, these are relevant for me. But didn't that just pamphlets... make you feel worse though? Yes. Yeah. Because I was like, because you're not, at a life I'll stage honest, where I'm you're not, not a fan to... of a leaflet. I'm really no. not a fan of a leaflet. I've never been given a leaflet and I've read it and gone, I feel better yeah it's it's because it's because they're small like it's different when you've got like big resources like the the broadcast companion it's so fleshed out good meaty practical information exactly when you get a tiny little tiny a5 bit of paper that's yeah, like that is so general it could literally yeah. be about the flu. yeah and it's hard because you know these are the things that are handed to you in terms of this is your support when actually you need like these resources like my broadcast companion who yeah you know get it in a metastatic breast cancer sense not this generalized thing exactly um, you need that kind of stuff so before we leave you um I just wanted to ask you know you being as pragmatic and open as you are is there any advice that you would give to someone who's recently been diagnosed and like is preparing to speak to their children about their diagnosis like what would your if someone a mate came up to you and going this has happened what what how do I handle this? What's take a about? breath. Take a breath. Seriously, go for a walk. Um, just just take a breath because you can't change the inevitable. So whether you tell them today or tomorrow, I'm not saying put it mm. off for, for longer than that. But yeah, take a breath and just just every just take every day. And just don't fall into the habit of making moments. Just be in the moment because that is enough. Yeah. You don't have to. And make I guess. There's... Sorry, babe, go on. No, that's it. You just, you don't have to make the moment. You are, you are the moment and it, and it is enough and you are enough and you don't. Yeah. Just don't I guess as well, it. it's so easy to worry about the future or the fear of how, short that future might be rather than actually enjoying the now I can imagine that is a real uh, a a very fine balance yeah and it's an ongoing battle never ever like get comfortable either don't ever think that this is just a one-time you know a one-night stand no this is this is an everyday that that cancer is not a battle that's Mm. I've you know I've you know my feelings on that one now Mm. but um but I think like your mental health that that is that is a bit of a battle. Mm. That, and that also, is I think getting support that is for something you can well, win. Right? You mm. can win. Yeah, you you can win and have better days. You can lose, but you can win. Um. So yeah, just just take a breath. Just take a breath. Trust your instincts, and and you are enough. Just you mm. is enough for your kids. Do you think as well, Law? It's like making sure you're really well supported so that you can better support them. 
because 100%. if you've got the right people and the right um mental health support physical support everything yeah around you as a system which is you're going to have long term of the metastatic diagnosis it's, like you said it's going to live with you so if you get that support system in place then in turn the kids are better supported because you're yeah. able to you know be able to be the best that you can be in that respect is that a yeah 100 percent. you just got to find you just got to go and find your people and do what how and you do that by in your own comfort zone as well mm. If, if writing ain't for you, don't start a blog and then start putting pressure on yourself to, to keep up with a blog. If sharing your stuff as freely as I do makes you feel uncomfortable, don't do it. That isn't the yeah. right way to do things. That's just my way. So you've got to find, you've got to find your outlet, whatever that may be. Go yeah. to the art lessons that they keep offering at the hospital. Who knows? That could yeah. be your thing. But there is there is no right or wrong. There is no, and you know that, Lauren. There is there yeah. is no definitive path to take. Every day is different. Every day is different, and you just got to ebb and flow with it. Bend around yeah. it. Oh, it will break you. That's what I always think. Yeah, light yeah. And shade. Well, my darling, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. If people want to find always. you. And all of your lovely words and real chat. Where can they find you, Law? Um, Instagram at that mum with cancer or www.thatmumwith.com. Thank you to everyone who is tuned in today as well. Um, you can hear more from me and another metastatic breast cancer babe in the next episode. And you can also listen to more episodes on the Furthermore website, furthermore.life and all of your usual podcast places. And as I always say, if you do know someone you think would benefit from this series, please, please, please do send this to them and let them know it exists. And we would love to hear your feedback on Instagram using hashtag mybroadcasts. So thank you again for tuning in. Um, Take care of yourselves. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by ASI Europe Limited.